Now, Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. This is the cafe tambourine. Yeah, that's right. What's the trouble? I am Jeeba, and I must see the man Youngston. Youngston? The man Youngston, who is an American. I never heard of him. The man Youngston, who was an American and wears a white suit and carries a briefcase. Nobody like that's been in here, Jeeba. A moment, sir. I will search the tambourine. Oh, no, you won't. I said he's not here, Jeeba. Try someplace else. As I thought, you lie. You lie to me. That's enough, Buster. Out you go. Come on, run along. No, no, I must find him. The man Youngston, the American who wear a white suit and carry a priest. Go on, get moving. You do not know, but you meddle with life, sir. You know. I mean, you meddle with death. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world, takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story... Pharaoh's Formula. My tambourine had its usual smattering of customers for a hot Saturday afternoon. Tourists watching natives, natives watching tourists. There was a brief flurry when the little fellow Jeeba made a disturbance about finding somebody named Youngston. After I got him out, things settled down. Then somebody else breezed in. A typical American businessman. Double-breasted white suit, bulky briefcase. Ah, there you are. He didn't have to give his name. Uh, Youngston, Mr. Jordan. Uh, will it be Youngston? Oh, somebody's looking for you, Mr. Youngston. Uh, just call me Willie. All my friends do. Uh, what'd you say? A native guy named Jeeba. Oh, well, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> Chicago's my home, Jordan. Not far from your old haunts around St. Louis. Somebody's been briefing you. Yeah, I understand you haven't been back there in a long time. What else do you know? Oh, quite a lot about you, Jordan. You'll see, I know a lot about you. <laughs> Where can we talk? And won't this table do? Sure, sure, why not? <laughs> oh, say, it's hot afternoon. What's your business, Mr. Uh, Willie? Yeah, that's better. Oh, oil, cotton, anything that might debt me a small fortune. <laughs> and what else? Well, the fact is I've been traveling. Until I came to Egypt three months ago and ran into Prof Gaines. Studied under him back home, a small college in Ohio. You've never heard of it. No, naturally. Uh, he got me interested in archaeology, Egyptian history, and so on. So I'll be brief, Jordan. I've got a sensational business offer for you. Well, that figures. Why me? I need a man who's wise to Cairo and who's willing to take slight risks and wants to make a killing. <laughs> I've done a lot of research on you, Jordan. You're my man. Uh, get to the point, huh, Willie? Ah, uh, that's what I like. Uh, now... <laughs> I was out working near a desert excavation with the old prof not long ago and found an ancient stone tablet covered with writing, hieroglyphics, you know. Yeah. Prof Gaines translated for me, and what do you think it was? I can't wait. A formula for making beer. Beer, Jordan, from an Egyptian recipe 3,000 years old. Oh, now, look. And that's not all, Jordan. I tried it out. I made some, and it was good. 
<laughs> so I rented a warehouse, got some equipment, and last week began producing the first batches. Oh, I tell you, it's great, Jordan. In America, it'll be a sensation. I'll bet. Yeah, here, here. I brought along a sample for you to try. Oh, no, 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 thanks. I just had lunch. Oh, not even a taste? Oh, well, <laughs> can't let it go to waste. <laughs> oh, it's mighty good, Jordan. <laughs> well... There you are, there. And I want you to be my Egyptian representative. That's all you want. <laughs> you you handle distribution, put your cafe name behind it, and we'll make a mint of money. Oh, sorry, Willie, I'm not interested. What? Feeling guilt sad. Walk in and face the lady and the man who are about ready to close for the night. Phone is right over there in back of candy counter. Perhaps the mister wants to buy something, Anna. Perhaps he doesn't. This time of night? You know, Mikhail, this time of night is always to use phone. No, I'm here to buy something, Anna. I'm from the police. Yesterday, they had sent money for license to sell cigarettes. Check. Check is good one. Please, Anna. The mister said nothing to check. Police? Uh, Danny Clover. You're Mr. and Mrs. Forster. So? Maybe. What well, do you want of us? Your son, your son, Ted. Ted. And police. Fine. He has hit a man? Robbed a man? He's been shot. Robbed a man and was shot? No, not like that. Yeah. Bad? Hurt bad? Pretty bad, Mr. Forstack. And it hurts Ted? Well, he's unconscious. He's in the hospital, St. Agnes. He's being taken care of. What happened to Ted? We don't know exactly. He was parked in a car with a girl with Ruth Ballard. She was shot to death. We don't know exactly what happened. Maybe you can help. A boy of mine. His friend's hoodlum from gutter. This is help I give you. What about his friend? He belongs to a club, as a young man should, for social, for contacts. The, the Adonis Club, it is called. Our baby, living his life with bombs. All right. And the girl, Ruth Ballard, he mentioned her name, I think, but it was not frequent name. I, I, I'm sorry for that. Oh, good evening. Uh, Oh, customer. And not customer, Evelyn. Oh, He's... then I invite him, too. Where's Ted? Yes. I brought a cake from the party. A whole cake with white frosting. Nobody touched a drop. Where's Ted? A neighbor of this woman, Mr. Evelyn Sherman. She shows dolls, uh, puppets to parties. Sometimes she brings something to us from party. I'm from the police, Miss Sherman. What's the matter with Ted? He's been shot. Liar. Show me you're from the police. Evelyn, the man. Show me. Hard. I... Yeah. But he's a baby. Ted's a little baby. I watched him grow up. Shot. You better come with me, all of you. I'll take you to the hospital. At the hospital, a nun told us softly that we couldn't see the boy. He was still unconscious. Dr. Kosinski was with him, had left orders no one was to be permitted to disturb him, not even a Mr. Clover. We'd have to wait until Dr. Kosinski said it was all right. So we waited. Then a nun walked through the dark corridor and ushered the shadows of night away, and it was daylight. The city yawned and began its day-long scream, and we waited. Then a voice whispered to me that there was a phone call for Lieutenant Clover in the office, this way. Thank you, sister. Danny Clover speaking. Danny, this is Sergeant Gino Tartaglia. How's the boy? No, he's not out of it yet. What do you want, Tartaglia? We traced the car, Danny. That car that left its fingerprints at the scene of the crime. We tracked it down, Danny. Where is it? 
It is a delivery truck in the alley back of Kilbert's Cleaning and Dying Establishment, 1845 West 125th Street. Registered to George Kilbert. On the ball, huh, Danny? Yeah, you can paste the gold star in your notebook, little Gino. <laughs> skirts. They take the life out of a man. These pleated skirts make you old before your time. <laughs> George Kelbert? George Kelbert? Yeah, I told you I'd be with you in a minute, pal. There. Yeah. This doll will love me for the way I press her skirt. You're big with the ladies, huh, George? Well, let's put it this way. Not one of them has sent in her resignation as yet. <laughs> Where were you last night, George? You must have a reason to ask me something personal like that. You a wounded husband or something? Uh, just a policeman, George. Oh, don't show me your badge. I can tell by your sloppy suit. Where were you last night, George? I don't think you got a right to ask me without you showing me I committed a sin or something. I'll do that, George. Where you were, where your car was, a murder was committed. You mean up there near the George Washington Bridge, a girl was murdered? I didn't say a girl. Hey, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't pin me to the wall. I said a girl because up there in that lover's lane, it's known that girls are sometimes killed. There were guys who go around doing that. You were there, huh, George? Alone? You got nothing says I was there. You're trying, policeman. That's all you're doing. Trying. There was a tire mark off your delivery truck. Your fender scraped on a tree, left paint. What was the matter, George? Were you in a hurry to get away? No, I wasn't in a hurry. She just wanted another kiss. She likes to cuddle up and kiss me while I'm driving. This is bound to make me lose a little control. Me? Who, George? The once a weeker. We date once a week. June Leonard. Lives in Brooklyn someplace. You go ask her. She was with me all the time. I don't know anything about a murder. Ask her. And fix her so she don't lie. June Leonard. We'll ask her. While you were up there, George, with June Leonard, did you hear shots? A series of shots? We heard nothing. Nothing at all. Except each other. That's how it is when you're in love. Uh, you should know, George. Let's go. Go? Go go where? What are you talking about? I'm looking for suspicion of murder. Are you crazy? You're crazy, you stinking rotten cop! You walk into my place of business and take me away! He was scared and protesting when I took him with me. At headquarters, I had a thing to do. I called the hospital and told Dr. Sinsky I was on my way down. And Dr. Sinsky said room 302. He'd wait for me by the elevator door. It took ten minutes to get there. Dr. Sinsky was waiting. Danny. Dr. Sinsky, how's the boy? Danny, why is it that our conversation must always open on sorrow? Can I see him? This way, Danny. In here. Uh, you know these people, Danny. Mr. and Mrs. Forrestek, uh, Miss Sherman. Yeah, yeah, I do. Doctor, it looked... Seemed like my son's lips were moving just as you left it off. Yes? Danny. What? Quietly, Dan. Please. Uh, the stethoscope on the table. All right. Here. My son. My son. My son. 
He's dead, Danny. to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. In the late summer afternoon, Broadway stands on a corner, sips its penny plane, and sums up the day. Some days are better than others. Some days you break even. The horse don't come in, but you don't get fired that day either. You get a play and you don't get hurt. But take the day now. Here's the day. DiMaggio, miracles with bases loaded. The rainmakers worked up a dew. And a boy, a lover, died of bullet wounds inflicted by a person of persons unknown. Thus holding in final embrace the girl he loved. The girl who was also shot to death in lover's lane. Here's maybe a tragic day, but... Here is a day. Or as Sergeant Gino Tataglia presented it to me. Danny, I give you the end of a perfect day. When you come to the end of a perfect... Fine, Willie, this afternoon. What about Mr. Jordan? He didn't say. That the boy was found shot near my tambourine a little later. Willie hasn't been seen since. But, but surely you don't connect Willie with such a thing. I don't know. Professor, what's the real truth about this formula he's got? Didn't he tell you? We found it in a tablet dug up at an excavation near Belbase. You surprised? What, a recipe for beer? Oh, that's not uncommon. The beverage is mentioned on countless relics found in this country. In fact, it was a national drink in the imperial Egypt of the pharaohs. Attributed to Isis, the goddess of nature. Fascinating subject. You're sure that's all Willie's got in mind, Professor? Of course. He has a brewery started and nothing will dissuade him. In fact, he's making me the president. Won't that interfere with your other work? Archaeology? It's nothing but a hobby now. Hmm. I'm semi-retired. I farm my cotton and barley, but Ray handles the heavy work. You wouldn't have any idea why the native wanted Willie? Certainly not, Mr. Jordan. There must be some mistake. Well, let me know if Willie turns up, will you? Of course. I'm sorry you're not interested in Willie's offer. Who knows? With his initiative, he, he might surprise us all. Yeah, he might at that. I told the professor goodbye and went out. I walked across the court to my car parked outside, wondering if I'd find out anything at all except a lot of worthless history. Just as I reached the gate, footsteps came hurrying from behind. I turned and saw the figure of a young woman. And as she came closer, I knew she was American, round-faced and beautiful. Mr. Jordan, I had to see you. Where'd you come from, lady? I was in the house and and heard you talking. I'm Helen Gaines. Oh, the professor's daughter? No, his wife. Mr. Jordan, I'm terribly frightened for my husband. I know his life is in danger. Danger? From what, Helen? I'm not sure. But ever since Willard Youngston came to Egypt three months ago, strange things have been happening. Why don't you tell the police? What can I tell them? Yes, they sure played cards with them, hoisted a glass with them, exchanged phone numbers with them. That's the thick and thin I went through with them. So now I'll never talk to him, so nothing else, huh? He was a fortunate boy, Mr. Clover. He's dead, but when he wasn't that way, he was fortunate. So let's not pop it here. Fortunate? Girls. He was a boy girls were happy with. And? 
happy girl to generous girl. One of them was real happy. One of them was real generous. Give them nice things. Shirts to wear, wallets stripped from alligators, money stripped from who knows where. Expensive watches to make his wrist look pretty. What girl did that? They never said. That's the number we never exchanged. But real expensive stuff, Mr. Clover. You'd never believe it. Not an idea who. If I did, I'd take over. None of our girls could afford that stuff. Hey, go look at that loot, Mr. Clover. It's still around, I guess. You'll see what I mean. Mr. Forstack. Mr. Forstack, wake up. I was not asleep. Oh, it's you, Mr. Clover. The messenger of death. Who died today, Mr. Clover? Mr. Forstack. Look I... at my little store, Mr. Clover. Look at how it's covered with dust. I don't take care anymore. All my life I build something, keep it clean, gets covered with dust. My boy, too. Mr. Forstack, I came to... To grieve with us, with me, with my wife, Anna. It is hard to understand, Anna, sometimes, Mr. Clover. Her mouth says to you she hates our boy, but... Now he is dead, and Anna lies in our bed and does not speak, does not weep. But in the night, she cries out our boy's name. Thank you, Mr. Clover. Goodbye. Your boy's room, Mr. Forstack. There may be something in it that'll help us find Ted's murderer. It will not bring our boy back. It will not make him answer his mother's cry. I have to get into that room, Mr. Forstack. If not me, someone else. But we'll get into it. If... You will be quiet. You will be very quiet. You will not say a word to one. Where is it? In the back. What is left of our life hides in the back. Come, Mr. Clover. Mr. Forster. Why, I told you one is not to know you're here. This is Ted's room. Where'd he keep his things? What things? All over the room are things that belong to my boy. Uh, personal things, jewelry, wallet, things like that. Oh. Here in the dresser drawer. Here they are, Mr. Clover. Expensive things. This watch, this wallet of alligator money. Where'd he get them? I do not know. Anna thought he robbed them. What do you think, Mr. Forstack? They are rich. I never knew things like these. I could not get them for Ted. Ted could not for himself. What do you think he got them, Mr. Forstack? I told you I do not know. I asked Ted. I beat him to tell me. I beat him. He could have broken me. He said, it's none of your business, old man. It... I want to take these with me. All right. But you will return, Mr. Clover, before Anna knows they are gone. You, you, you will return. Please, Mr. Clover. Anytime. Uh, sit down. Uh, thank you. Well, what's on your mind, Doctor? 
Nothing, except I dropped in here to conform with standard operating procedure, autopsy reports. Uh, you in the mood to listen? I think you should. All right. Go ahead. Uh, Ruth Ballard shot four times. Supplementary report from ballistics showed the bullets from the same gun that killed the boy. Four times, Danny. Any one of the shots would have killed her instantaneously. What else about the girl? Nothing else. And she was killed only because someone wanted her dead. What? Someone wanted her dead, Doctor. I know, four shots. A person in animal fury would have done that. From what I can tell, I'd say she was sitting in the car. A person came up to her, shot her four times. Nothing more than that. Do you know who did that, Danny? A person who was jealous of her. A person who loved Ted Farstack. A person who gave Ted expensive presents. Do you know who? Don't make me repeat myself, Doctor. Then who? Stick around. I'll show the person to you. Yes? Oh, it's, uh, Mr. Uh, Clover, isn't it? May I come in, Miss Sherman? Well, I was just practicing my puppets for a party tomorrow, Kitty's party. May I come in? All right, come in. What do you want, Mr. Clover? It's about Ted. About his murderer? Maybe. Then why are you here? Go ahead, Miss Sherman. Practice your puppets. I'll just look around. But I don't see why you'd be... Go ahead, Miss Sherman. Miss Sherman. Wait a minute. What is it? This uh, photograph of Ted. He gave it to this me. This ribbon from a track meet tucked in the frame. He won it. He gave it to me. Why should he give them to you? I asked him for them. He liked me. He gave them to me. Huh? These, too? Put them down. Man's gloves. Ted's? Put them down. All right. Ted's gloves, huh? If you're through, you can get out. Not yet. I want to show you some things. You've got nothing to show me. Get out. A wallet. A wristwatch. You gave them to Ted. Look at them, Evelyn. Give them to me. You've got no right to Presents touch them. Presents to Ted from you, Evelyn. Give them to me. Because you loved the boy. Really loved him like a woman loves a man. All right. Yes, I loved him because he was someone a woman could love. And be jealous of. Yes, yes. But he didn't love you? You're lying. He didn't. That's why he was with Ruth. Ruth was nothing to him. He always came back to me. For the rich presence. He didn't love you. You lie. You're a liar. So you killed a girl. Shot her four times in your fury. And Ted, why did you shoot him? Because he tried to stop you? Because you knew he didn't love you? (laughs) He didn't love you. He didn't, Evelyn. I didn't mean I didn't mean to kill Ted. He got in the way. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. She stood there, her body swaying, her fingertips pressed into her cheeks. Then a thing happened. She looked suddenly old. The youth she had tried to keep for the boy dissolved and fled from her. All at once she accepted it, knew there was nothing left. She made no protest when I took her arm and led her through the door. 
people of the swarm race against the fugitive... ...green table the afternoon before. It was an off-size type that you wouldn't save to return, so it wouldn't be with the others in the cellar. I found it in a wastebasket out front, empty now. Held up to the light, it showed a white chalkiness inside. I put it in my pocket, and ten minutes later, I was at the door of my friend, Dr. Wang Yin, a chemist. Who honors the home of Wang Yin at this hour? I'm sorry to wake you like this, Dr. Wang Yin. Oh, Mr. Jordan, my humble house is yours. You will enter. Thanks. I, uh, wondering if you could analyze what's on the inside of this bottle. It is possible. If you will return in the morning. Well, I've got to know right away. Uh, how long will it take? Oh, one hour, perhaps? You you will wait, then? Oh, I'll be back in one hour. Well, that gave me time for another call down at police headquarters. Sam was just leaving, and it took some big arguing, but he finally led me back to Willie Youngston's cell and left us there alone. Willie sat slumped in a corner, pale and shaky. Jordan. Jordan, what's going on around here, anyhow? That's a good question, Willie. You don't look so good. Good. I feel awful. Why did you run away from the shooting? Shooting? I don't know anything about a shooting. I don't remember anything. Oh, sure you don't. You just blacked out. It's all like a dream. That's it, exactly. That's it. I don't remember a thing. Uh Uh-huh. You never get a jury to believe that. But I'm telling you the truth, Jordan. I I don't know what you, Sabai, or anybody else is talking about. How could I? Look, Jeeva was hunting for you. He followed right after you, and then he was killed. You couldn't help but know. I got dizzy, I tell you, dizzy. Things started whirling around. It's the last I knew till I woke up here in jail. When did you say this happened? Right after I left your tambourine. I I, I don't know what hit me. Believe me, Jordan, I I don't. Maybe I do believe you. Oh, that's more like it. What can I do, Jordan? What can I do? Nothing here, Willie. You leave that to me. I didn't wait to tell Willie what I had in mind. The hour was almost up, so I hurried back to the Chinese chemist's house. A very worried Dr. Wang Yin met me at the door. Mr. Jordan, I am so very sorry. It happened right after you left. What happened, Wang Yin? I took the bottle into my laboratory to test the contents as you asked. Yeah, go on. I had just bent over my work when the lights went out. Someone had come in. I could not see who it was. I started for the door. The bottle's gone? Yes. And when I finally turned the lights back on, I saw it had been taken. I tried to follow, but it was no use. Well, don't worry. Mr. Jordan, my failing brings dishonor to this humble person. Oh, no, Dr. Wang Yin. You've got an idea where the bottle went and why. Now that sent me racing across Cairo through dark, deserted streets and then out north along the Delta Road leading to Professor Gaines' farm. As I swung into the driveway, I braked up just in time to miss the figure, wild-eyed and running blindly. Helen! Mr. Jordan! Mr. Jordan, I'm so glad you came. I tried to call you. Why, Helen? Come on, there was a terrible fight between my husband and his overseer, Ray Taylor. Where are they? My husband's back in the house. He's hurt, Rocky. And what about Taylor? Well, I don't know where he is. Please hurry. Helen? Mr. Jordan's here, darling. Oh, Mr. Jordan. It is good of you to come. Hey, look, Professor, you shouldn't be sitting up. You better lie down in the cot here. Yeah, I'll help you. Thank you. Oh, I'm afraid I'm not much of a fighter anymore. A little water will help. Oh, okay. Now, what's all this between you and Ray Taylor? Uh, 
I found him out, Mr. Jordan. He's been cheating at the books, robbing me of the proceeds to my farm. I confronted him with what I knew. He was furious and beat me. Here's the water. Thank you, my dear. No. Oh, I feel much better already. Professor, what happened to Taylor after the fight? He fled. I don't know where. First thing is to tell the police. I'll do that right away. Mr. Jordan, wait. I won't... Uh, don't, don't be afraid for me, my dear. Ray won't come back. He doesn't dare. Oh, he's right, Helen. The professor will be all right. Just let him try to get some sleep. Her worried eyes followed me as I went out. I backed my car out onto the road, and then I parked it and circled back around the house till I found a well-beaten path leading through a cotton field. It was a moonless night with a dark that comes just before morning. I noticed the extra thick growth around me, then a building loomed ahead that figured to be the field house. I went in. Something scooted across the floor, and then it was quiet. I lit a match. There on the floor was Ray Taylor, a gun clutched tightly in his hand. He was dead. Now things started adding up fast, and they didn't seem screwy anymore. I moved out into the cotton field, and some looking around told me now why it grew so thickly. Beneath the cotton, I found something else growing. I pulled one up, put it in my pocket, and turned back to the house. A stumble on the path ahead started me running. Ellen, what are you doing out here? My husband fell asleep. I, I saw you come back. I had to know why. I think you do know. I think you know who's in the shack back there, too. Yes. Yes, I know, but listen, Rocky. All right, now tell me just exactly what did happen out here tonight. I heard a fight going on, and a little after that, a shot. I, I ran out to the field house and saw Ray Taylor there. He was dead. All fixed up to look like suicide, huh? Were you in on the deal with Taylor to rob your husband? No, you have no right to say that. You're wrong, Rocky. You seemed real anxious for me to help you get Willie Youngston out of the way. Want to explain that, too? I told you I wasn't sure. I suspected many things, but I wasn't sure. I was only trying to protect my husband. Oh, sure. I knew that was coming. You don't believe anything I say, do you? No, not yet. Let's talk about this cotton field now. A cover crop for something else. Poppies. They grow fields of poppies for only one reason, Helen. Narcotics. I knew that. But how could I help but know? Yes, and you probably know a lot of... A woman's coat. Hmm. I've been lucky. I've found an honest job. I don't have to steal. I didn't say anything about stealing. No, no, you didn't. You just said it was about a woman's coat. The coat that belonged to a murdered girl. Mary Gilbert? That's right. Where's that coat? Her father gave it to me. I didn't ask him. He said, here, here, Robert, here's the coat. Said maybe I could use it. But a coat for a woman? Yeah, for a woman. For my sister Ethel. I gave it to her. Where does your sister live? 1115 West 138th Street, apartment 3. But you won't find her there. Where is she? Well, try the Harlem Hospital, mister. I got word this morning early that that's where my sister was. In the hospital. Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. You walk slowly up the worn sandstone steps. Slowly because somehow you never hurry when you can walk into a hospital. And a nun accepts your question quietly and tells you to wait because the girl's asleep. And you wait. And your eyes dart through open doorways in the hospital corridor. And you wait. And it's four o'clock. And it's five and still you wait. And the smell of the hospital melts into the furtive sounds and the quiet footsteps in your doors. 
And then there's a gentle tap on your shoulder, and it's 8 o'clock. And you're shown a ward and a numbered bed. And a tired girl who tries not to be frightened. But I've already been questioned by the police, Mr. Clover. I know. This will only take a moment. What do you want to know? About the coat, Ethel. About the coat your brother gave you. I told him. I told him all about it. Tell me. I was walking home, Mr. Clover. It was late. When? Last night. It was very late, about midnight. That's when it was. Tell me just what happened, Ethel. As soon as I stepped down from the curb, the alley curb, Mr. Clover, he came out of the alley. It was dark. Then you don't know who he was? I still don't, Mr. Clover. He stood close to me and whispered in my ear. He said he would give me ten dollars for the coat I was wearing. The coat? Yes. Then he hit me. He started to tear the coat. Tried to tear it off of me. But he screamed and the man ran. And a policeman was standing over me. I see. Where's the coat now? It's over there, Mr. Clover. It's in the closet. This one? Yes. Take it, Mr. Clover. Take it. It's a dead girl's coat. I don't want it anymore. Nine o'clock. Tartaglia brings the dressmaker's dummy into my office, drapes it with the dead girl's blouse, puts the coat over it. The bullet hole in the blouse matches the sewn-up bullet hole in the coat, right on the same line. Ten o'clock, it still matches. Ten-thirty. Tartaglia sends out for spud nuts and coffee. Eleven o'clock. We've torn the coat apart. Nothing there. Eleven-thirty. We've got a torn-up coat. Nothing else. Twelve o'clock. A boy's life. And it's Sunday. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat. Starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. May as well face it, a lot of your conversation during the course of a week is about the shows on CBS on Sunday nights. Charlie McCarthy, Edgar Bergen, Jack Benny, Red Skelton, Corliss Archer, and Eve Arden as the romantic high school teacher, our Miss Brooks. Drama lovers, next week we'll surely be discussing Irene Dunn's performance in the Barretts of Wimpole Street this Sunday night on the Family Hour. And everybody will be talking... We went back to the field house. I tried Ray Taylor's pockets till I found a bunch of keys. Then I took Helen to my car at the road and had her show me the way to a big rambling old building down near the Nile. We got in one of the back doors and went on into the big warehouse. A couple of dim lights helped us see we were on a balcony platform. Some doors leading off, crates and bottles stacked along the wall. Over a railing below were open beer vats, all full. I don't know what you think you'll find here, Rocky. Oh, it'll take some looking, Helen. Not in the bottles out here. The bottles? In one of the rooms along here, maybe. Yeah. Now, we'll start with these. George, turn around. Darling, what are you doing here? Now, come out of there. Both of you. No, keep away from me, Helen. I have a gun. But, darling, you're not well. He's not really hurt, Helen. I should have seen that. I don't understand. Don't you, Helen? 
I would surely Mr. Jordan has told you. No, but I'll do it now, Professor. Narcotics is the big project. Youngston's beer thing's only a front. What an excellent means of transporting narcotics out of the country. An occasional bottle in the cases here and there. Not likely to be detected. It's been done before. Darling, please don't say any more. Keep quiet, Helen. What difference does it make now? I'll bet Willie didn't know a thing about what was going on. The formula was all a plant. Naturally. When the stupid man came along, we were delighted. Ray Taylor and I. So that's the way it was. Unfortunately, Ray committed a grievous error when he let Willie get a hold of the wrong bottle. Yeah, one filled with an opium solution that Willie brought to my cafe. The sip he took really did knock him out. You sent your native boy, Jeeva, to get it back, huh? Or else. And when Jeeva failed, Ray overplayed his hand and shot him. I didn't want that. So Ray and I had it out. And Ray lost. Oh, darling, there's still time to get out of it. No one has to know anything. No, Helen. It's far too late. I'm sorry you and Mr. Jordan became so inquisitive. So terribly sorry. No. Let no. Helen go again. She's been covering for you all along. She'll keep it up. I will. I swear I will. But how can I be sure? I wish there were another way. <laughs> Helen started to run, and I whirled back as Gaines leveled the gun. My swing deflected his aim, but he held on to it as I slammed him to the wall. The gun flew over his head, and we both went for it and got it together. For a second, he had it and darted away, but I stayed with him. My shoulder drove him to the ring. He dropped the gun. His fingers clawed at my sleeve and then let go. I looked over the splintered railing in time to see him come to the surface, splashing around in a vat of unripe beer. Well, Jordan, I've been talking with Mr. Youngster. You're letting Willie go, Sam? Yes, of course. He's quite innocent. Yeah, innocent of everything but falling for the phony beer gag. You talk of the formula for the drink of the pharaohs 3,000 years ago? Anybody'd know there's no such thing. (laughs) But there is, Jordan. The formula has long been known. Look in almost any encyclopedia under B for beer. I'll do that sometime. As for the girl, Helen, regrettable. Well, she wasn't in on it. You'll get that out of Professor Gaines. Well, well, there you are. Just the boys I wanted to see. Hello, Willie. Uh, Mr. Youngster, you are free to go unless there is something more. Oh, than... no, no, don't apologize, Captain. Nothing's harmed except one vat of beer. I've still got the formula, the warehouse, the equipment, all set to go. Sam, but yet, you know, uh... I've been thinking. This project's too big for one man. Like everything great, it should be shared. Shared with my friends. So I'm letting you both in. Uh, George, yes, sir, I'm offering you two the first block of stock. Ten dollars a share right on the ground floor. Sam. Yes, Jordan, let us go out for coffee. What? Coffee? For superb flavor, for dependable quality always, enjoy Del Monte fruits and vegetables. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. By Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written tonight by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman, from a story by William Frug, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Powell, with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by 
Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is Shakedown. What's the perfect refresher for these thirsty June days? Long, tall, sparkling cold glasses of Del Monte pineapple juice. That grand golden drink for the whole family. Buy Del Monte pineapple juice tomorrow. Enjoy it next time you're thirsty. John Jacobs speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.